El primero de mayo. <laughs> Week 15 of the football kickback. Oh, this was a one of one. This was a one of one. This was the week. This is why I'm here. This is why I do this. Amazing finishes, amazing games. Both slates, one o'clock and four o'clock. I'm your host, the CMD, Sam Dusme Jr. Subscribe to the channel. Like the stream once you pull up. Helps the algorithm, all the YouTube stuff that helps this thing go. But this was a week where I was thinking for the first time, I may have to lead with the one o'clock slate as opposed to the four o'clock slate. Normally what I do here is I recap the four o'clock games, do the bulk of the cast, normally where the best games are, game of the week, all that type of stuff, right? Then, you know, I transition into the one o'clock games, touching those real quick, but the bulk of it is spent at the four o'clock games. Well, with what we saw earlier, close finishes, all of that type of stuff in the one o'clock games, exciting finishes, all the games were within one possession of each, of each other. I was like, okay, we might have to switch up the format tonight. We may have to go one o'clock first, then get into the late games because the late games were looking like mid or looking like games that will be decided early if everything plays true to form. Oh, oh, the four o'clock, the four o'clock games were not for play play. They were not here for the one o'clock games to outshine them. As great as the one o'clock games were, the four o'clock slate came through in a big way and we got some exciting finishes. And I can say this, let me, let me get this off the screen here, that there's going to come a time um, where there's going to be a lot of I told you so's. There's going to be a lot of, yo, I remember where I was when this happened. I knew this was going to happen. I knew no one in their right mind knew. When the Raiders and the Patriots played today, when the Las Vegas Raiders and the New England Patriots played today, Especially once you get a scenario, fourth quarter, the, the, the Raiders are just going to try to, you know, hold down the fort and try to force OT. The Patriots are going to try to do laterals to try to maybe get, get in the mix late. Try to, you know, maybe force, force an extra possession. Maybe try to get a long, super long field goal attempt. But no, there, there's no laterals that you could do. And oh my God. The lateral came through in the Patriots and the Raiders game. I wish I could show it to you, but I'm not trying to get the stream uh, knocked off because of, you know, the shield and all of that. So protecting their highlights, but you must have seen it. And if you haven't seen it, I am imploring you to pause this and go see it because the way that the lateral worked, throwing the ball behind Chandler Jones picks off the lateral stiff arms, Mac Jones face in the turf face in the turf. And takes it to the crib, houses it, and the Raiders get the walk off. And Josh McDaniels, I'm telling you, he keeps finding a way. I keep coming on this stream ready to fire Josh McDaniels. I keep coming on this stream, tearing him down, Derek Carr's mid, this down the third, and yet they keep finding ways to get a W that keeps them in the mix. And yes, somehow, some way, the Las Vegas Raiders underachieving team that they are not a well-coached team a team that has a, a QB that we're not sure if he's top 10 or not a wide receiver that we know is top tier top three a running game that we know is top 10 and they keep finding ways to be mid 
a defense that is predicated on edge pressure, when we know edge pressure is not the way to really get it done. And yet they find ways to stay in the mix. Let's go ahead and get the screen share up. Y'all know how I do here. We communicate and I show you what's going on here. And let's first look at these standings. These standings should be up to date. And we, we've got to go here. Vegas and the Patriots to start us off here. And as much as we want to talk about the, the stats, we could talk about how, you know, Mac Jones continues to be mid. Uh, we could talk about Derek Carr being okay. Josh Jacobs was okay. Didn't really give you that much. He's been destroying teams as of late. Was not that today. But again, it really doesn't matter because this whole game was predicated on literally the last play of the game. The last play of the game, you know, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers laterals the pill. Chandler Jones picks off and rumbles 48 yards with no time on the clock. Raiders still one off. Belichick has to now go to midfield and have a shake of hands with, with his man's Josh McDaniels. And I, I, I have nothing more to say just because the timeline went crazy. As soon as that play happened, all the expletives came tumbling down the timeline. What a great game. Darren Waller, he came back. He scored a touchdown. Is that that might even be his first touchdown of the year or one of? He does not have a lot of touchdowns this year. He's been hurt over the second half of the season, but even when he was healthy, was extremely ineffective for a guy with his skill set, which made me again bring in the question: Is Derek Carr really that dude? But anyway, uh, th this game was great uh, for for a game that on paper with these two teams, as the Patriots try to hang on to you know, outside wildcard chances and the Vegas Raiders try to stay, I guess, in the hunt if, if you want to go that far. Although if we pull up the playoff picture here, you know, they're way down there. But still, they 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 remain on the graphic. Six and eight, you're still on the graphic. Six and eight because, you know, you have the Patriots now at seven and seven hanging on to the end of the, the, the last wildcard spot with the uh, Chargers getting a last-minute victory, we'll get there. Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, I don't know. For a guy that's lauded about his defense and toughness and manning up, that the, the defensive play calling on that last series for the, for the Los, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert was able, was able to pick him out down the field. A little shaky there. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and transition into that because that to me was an interesting game to watch down the stretch because it comes down to we've talked about Jay Herbo and Justin Herbert and who he is and what he can be. And there was a whole thing of him and Tua um, last week, last week, Sunday night. And there, there was a lot of fan bases that were, you know, the Chargers fan base and the Dolphins fan base were both trying to figure out and deciding that that game was going to be a referendum on who had the better draft pick, whether it was Tua Tungavailoa or the, uh, the Chargers with uh, Jay Herbo, Justin Herbert. This game came down to me is... Justin Herbert has weapons and the Tennessee Titans only have Derrick Henry. That's what this game was. Because if you watch the, the, the game winning drive that led to the game winning field goal, Justin Herbert at one point was rolling right and Mike Williams. And we've talked about Mike Williams a lot here. We've talked about how Justin Herbert has been surrounded by great talent. And as, as great as I think he is from a skill set, 
standpoint. I think it's the fact that he has such great weapons around him, whether it's Austin Eckler, we know about Keenan Allen, but Mike Williams is that enigma as that second, as that second receiver. You know, I'm sure in his mind, he thinks he's the number one, but we know that truly is Keenan Allen. But Mike Williams, the dynamic that he brings, being such a big target and with some speed, he's got some wheels now. Um, he's not no burner, but he's got some wheels for a guy with that size and that physical prowess. He's a guy that you could post up and do fade routes to all day, corner fades, whatever you want to do. And that last drive, Herbert rolls out. Mike Williams puts the hand up. He only, he tried to moss dude, but not in the sense of, yo, I'm just going to run by this dude. Or I took a few steps off the line. I know I'm going to blow by him. He just put the hand up like, yo, just throw it up. Throw it up. And I got you. And that's what Jay Herbo did. And Mike Williams makes the huge catch and, uh, you know, head tops dude. And they sets him up for the field goal. And Mike Williams, again, he he's an enigma. Four catches, 57 yards. On anybody. Six, four, six, four. I mean, that's, and, it, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a physical six, four and special player. When the chargers are at their full complement, their offense should be dropping 30 should keyword there. They don't always drop 30. And that's mainly because they have a lot of injuries and I'm not too sure about that offensive line at times. But when you look at the names that they have, and if you're new to the stream, how I do this is I come here, I recap the games. You can pull up in the comments, feel free, drop a like when you do pull up and check out the stream. And I, 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 we could definitely go back and forth. We could definitely do all of that. And if you're here on the replay and you have comments, keep dropping them. I'll reply. I'm definitely in the comments. So um, when it comes right down to it, when you see what they have on paper, Justin Herbert, a lot of people will say he's a top 10 quarterback right now. Austin Eckler is a good running back, gets a lot of touchdowns, is a, is a dual threat in terms of running the, running the rock and catching the rock out of the backfield. Then you have the two receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And then, you know, Gerald Everett is a serviceable tight end. They've, had, they've been trying to like facilitate that spot um, over the last few years and try to find a mainstay. But that right there is a lot of pieces for a young QB when you have the type of arm that Justin Herbert has to be able to put up a lot of points. And sometimes they do and just sometimes they don't. And Staley's come under fire with his, his play calling last year and, you know, basically costing the playoffs last year. We, we, we understand all of that. But I just wonder how come this offense can't put up our points? This offense should be better. I mean, Justin Herbert today, I, I don't know if I want to put this all on the Titans defense. The Titans do have a really uh, solid defense. We know Vrabel's acumen as not only a DC, but as a head coach, his defenses rarely get torched. But a game that the Chargers had to have, and they did get the W. Don't, 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 don't get it twisted. They got the dub. It just wasn't. There's no way that a team that literally just has Derrick Henry and nothing else. Because look at this. He was the leading receiver and rusher. Derrick Henry literally is the Tennessee Titans offense and Ryan Tannehill. He got hurt early, but he was able to bounce back and come back. But it's, it's that offense is putrid. I, I, again, why they traded AJ Brown. I'm glad they got that GM about the pain. We talked about that last week, but it's just, it's striking every single week that when the Titans struggle to score that, yo, they literally had AJ Brown and got rid of him just because they didn't want to pay him. Good luck trying to find that type of replacement for the cheap. Good luck. Um, so let's go. So we did Patriots, Raiders. We did Tennessee Chargers. All right. 
Let's go to Tampa Bay, Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. Look, I, I've, I have not been afraid to say it. I've been saying it. Tom Brady's done. And Romo tried to shoot him some bail on the broadcast today saying that Brady had a good game. I don't know what Romo was saying. I know he he's a he's protecting the shield and, you know, former QBs. And there's, there's, there's that QB frat where they all stick together to a certain degree. But no, no, Tom Brady was not good today. Uh, but you know who was? The guy who, the guy who I was, like, talking about last week, like, he's still him. Joe Burrow. Another game, four touchdowns. Didn't even need to run the rock today. Uh, you know, 13 targets. Again, if you're new here, if you're a number one receiver and if you're a competent QB, you should be getting your number one receiver double-digit targets every game. Here we go again. Jamar Chase, 13 targets. Okay? Joe Burrow understands. Get Jamar Chase some looks. Even if he doesn't catch it, even if it's in, you know, double coverage, even if it's in, you know, a bracket over the top, I'm going to find a way to get to get him some targets. 13 targets for Jamar Chase. And then you go over here to the Bucs. Look, the running game, they've struggled. Don't let these numbers fool you. Even though it's still, you know, under 90 yards in terms of uh, running backs, their main running backs in a way, they just don't have a commitment to running the rock. 44 passing attempts. Tom Brady's too damn old to be thrown the pill 44 times. Too damn old. I just don't understand, like, and Todd Bowles will be the fall guy. Because, again, remember, Tom Brady doesn't want to be there. The plan was not for him to be there. His plan was to be in South Beach with Sean Payton. So all of this is on the fly. He's, he's, he's remixing this on the fly. He was not planning to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So, again, this is a game where the Bengals had to go in there and take care of business. The Bucs are not necessarily a bad team, but they're a team in flux because the QB position is in flux. Even though Tom Brady is allegedly the GOAT to some people, um, that spot is in flux. Are we believing in the Bengals? I tried to broach this topic last week. I was thinking, you know, people were going to hit me up about that, but 10 and 4, 10 and 4. AFC North, 10-4, that's a tough division. We know how that division gives it up. Baltimore takes the L on Saturday to the Browns. That was a huge loss for, for Baltimore. Cincinnati, clearly now the class of that division. We're assuming Lamar comes back next week. Is it too little too late? Let's see what the, what the standings are in regards to that playoff right now. Let's see how that looks like. What does that playoff picture look like? Baltimore's the top wild card. Oh, that Jets loss was huge. Jacksonville still on the hunt, thanks to Dallas. We'll get there. Miami takes the L, but they're still hanging on to a playoff spot. Like, yeah, it's it's I think with the the Cincinnati taking care of business and Baltimore, I won't say they tricked it off yesterday. No Lamar. We know how much of an offense, how much of a big part of that offense Lamar is. And Huntley tries, but he's just a, he's just a, you know, he's a Canal Street version of Lamar Jackson. I won't, I won't press that too much against Baltimore. That was a tough spot. Uh, Arizona, Denver. I think it's a changing of the guard. Russell Wilson. I mean, will we see him next week? I know by, I know by default they have to play him. But Brett Rippon wasn't horrible. 
Brett Rippon did as good as I think Russie would have done today. 21 of 26, under 200, one TD, one pick. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that the Broncos focus on the ground game and got Latavius Murray going. And the Cardinals, if you're um, here on YouTube, I have done a couple of videos that will be coming out tomorrow. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure to tap in and subscribe. I have some thoughts on the Arizona Cardinals. I talked about it on my podcast, the DSMD podcast, available wherever you can get your podcast. And I have been airing out this Arizona Cardinals thing for a few weeks now, whether here on this live stream or on my podcast. And I got some content coming out tomorrow about the Arizona Cardinals. So be sure to tap into that. A lot of visual components to that on uh, YouTube. So I think the Arizona Cardinals are a dysfunctional franchise. And I get into that. So I'm not going to get in too much about the Cardinals because at least I'll say this. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, 11 targets. So again, another number one receiver that gets proper targets. Jerry Judy, only eight. So again, if, if you're trying to be a number one receiver, you better get yourself double-digit uh, targets. So that's just the 4 o'clock slate. Okay, so c coming off the screen here for a little bit. Th this is where I thought things would get crazy is that, all right, the 1 o'clock games were so wild. The 1 o'clock games had so much in it, whether it was if you want to get into Philly, Chicago. That was a game that came down to the end there because Justin Fields. <sighs> wow. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I, I don't want to go too crazy on that yet. But the one o'clock slate, I guess we got to go Dallas. We got to go Jacksonville, 40 to 34. I predicted the shootout, and that's exactly what we got. Both these teams' defenses are mid. Some would say Dallas's defense is a little bit worse than mid. I won't go that far. You can't have Micah Parsons on your defense and be less than mid. Uh, but... We're going to have to get into a conversation of what is the identity of the Dallas Cowboys. And the offense can put up points. That's one thing I can say. I can't never shade the fact that this offense that has the weapons it has finds a, ways, finds a way to get points. Although we can talk about that last possession heading into overtime, which basically set up the... Um, which set up the, the Jaguars to win the game, essentially. Let's see if we can pull up that drive. I was very shocked that when they had the rock, let me pull up the screen here. You know how we do it here. Pull up the screen. So, a minute 30 on the clock. They forced, they, they, they ran the ball. I right, cool. Zeke, make Jacksonville take a timeout. I right, cool. Second and 13, Tony Pollard, three more yards. All right, Jacksonville timeout. All right, cool. Third and 10, with a minute 20 on the clock. You don't run the rock again to eat up either another timeout or just more clock? Piss poor clock management. I did not understand that call at all. Even red zone. Uh, your man Scott Hansen called it out. Is that peculiar clock management or play calling? Now I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And as bad as, as the defense was in this game for the Dallas Cowboys, and as much as you can blame them, to me, it was the offense ultimately that let them down because we know the strength of this team is the offense. 
I'm not going to sit here and kill a defense when I know the defense is mid at best. The defense is mid at best. I'm not going to kill them. You have all-stars, pro bowlers up and down that offense, but you can't do the fundamental thing, which is make the other team burn their timeout to run the clock. You can't do that. Mike White did that. Oh, no, not Mike White. Who was it? Uh, Zach Wilson did that in the Jets game. Robert Sala has to be called to task because that was piss poor clock management over there at MetLife. We'll get there. But just horrible clock management here because why are you leaving them with a timeout? Why are you leaving them with time on the clock? They were able to keep their last timeout in the tuck because you didn't want to run on third and 10. Make them burn that timeout. And no matter what Christian Kirk or no matter what Zay Jones do, it doesn't matter. You, you have to make it that much harder for the other team. Look at this drive chart. All the time in the world thinks that one timeout was huge. That one timeout was huge. It allowed them to set up the offense to be able to work the field the way that they wanted to instead of putting them under pressure of all you got is out routes, dog. All you got is out routes. But no. You allow them to keep a timeout in a pocket, and then they were able to matriculate down the field, get some clutch passes. Zay Jones was a monster today, and then they were able to kick the game uh, to kick the game tying field goal to set it into overtime. And then in overtime, your offense again. You're running the rock. You're running the rock. Tony Pollard three three rushes. You're getting runs. And then, you know, you trust Dak and I understand it's third and four. You've been running the rock effectively, whether it was Zeke, or whether it was Tony Pollard. I know Zach is the money man. I understand it. But I just found it to be a weird play call at that time. At that time, like I know Noah Brown was cooking. OK, so I understand why, you know, for some reason, the Jacksonville Jaguars couldn't defend anybody in the secondary. Right. They couldn't defend anybody. You know, uh, CeeDee Lamb was running wild. Noah Brown was running wild. You know, I understand. Because, I mean, look, if, if you're talking about, now look, should your defense be giving up four touchdowns to Trevor Lawrence? No. However, Jacksonville has been playing well over the second half of the season, and Trevor Lawrence has looked like a guy that, he looks nothing like the guy we saw last year under Urban Meyer, right? He looks nothing like that guy. But Zay Jones... Six for 109. Christian Kirk, 10 targets, number one receiver. 10 targets, six catches, 92 yards. Evan Ingram, 10 targets, number one receiver. So, look, it's to me, as much as I know Cowboy fans want to, we'll come off the screen here. I know as, as much as uh, Cowboy fans want to destroy Dan Quinn, destroy what um, the Dallas defense, you know, they have a lot of names on that defense. You know, when you have Micah Parsons, you have Diggs, you have some names there. But didn't Van, Van den Bosch got hurt today? Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he was a little quiet today. So I understand if you want to, you know, just chastise the simple fact of this defense should be better because of the names that we have. That ship has sailed to me since earlier in the year. I'm not even like caught up on that anymore. Like the defense is just going to be a, a defense that's more about. Can they force turnovers? They're more of an exciting plays. If they can't get pressure with that front four, they need to be able to force turnovers. So they have not been doing that as of late. 
So I'm not surprised when they get, you know, when they put up or give up 40 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not surprised, especially with the way that the Trevor Lawrence has looked, Travis Entian has looked, and the fact that Christian Kirk and Zay Jones is, is putting up numbers and, has, and Evan Ingram has finally discovered himself, thanks to the Giants. Uh, so, you know, I'm not surprised by the Dallas uh, score. I'm not surprised by the way that they lost the game. I'm not surprised about the way that the defense looked. Or I'm a little surprised about how the offense was inefficient in big spots when you have all those names. When you have all those names, I'm surprised when you have Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb. I won't put Noah Brown in that category, but the way the way that they're using him, he's beginning to be able to be in that conversation. When you have all those guys, you should be able to bit to be able to milk some clock and just run the ball on third and ten and make Jacksonville burn that last timeout. Or if they decide not to burn that last timeout, then you're burning clock. Either way, it's a win. Either way, it's a win. Either you get the Jaguars to burn the last timeout or they allow a lot of clock to run out. Your move, Jacksonville. Your move, Doug Peterson. What are you doing? You're going to burn that last timeout or you're going to let this clock run? Mike McCarthy, the man who lied on his job interview to get that job. Never forget. Mike McCarthy lied in his job interview and admitted it after he got the job that he lied to Jerry Jones. Take that for what you will. So that was, to me, by far, not the only crazy ending, but the craziest ending. Uh, Dallas, Jacksonville from the one o'clock slate. But then we could go to Kansas City. Kansas City, you know, Mahomes and them, I keep saying they're a wide receiver away. And then someone pops up and flashes for a game. And then it kind of quelches the talk of, well, maybe they're not a wide receiver away, right? So today, now, I don't know what you consider Jerick McKinnon. He could be a running back. He could be a uh, receiver. He could be a slot guy. I, I don't know what Jerick McKinnon is, but over the last, I would say, three weeks, maybe four, they've been using him in that role of how they used to have, like, Kareem Hunt, how he was dynamic, whether it was running the rock and then catching out the backfield. But McKinnon's kind of the evolution of that because he's, like, lining up as a receiver. And he's able to get touches out the backfield, like toed in the rock. So it's a little different. But Jerk McKinnon, uh, let's go ahead with the screen share. He goes crazy today. 10 carries for 52 yards. Game-winning touchdown in OT with the walk-off. But eight catches. Eight targets, eight catches. I mean, you do the math. That's a pretty high percentage when it comes to targets to completion. So eight catches, 70 yards. Uh, your man's Juju, 10 for 88, 10 targets, number one receiver. Travis Kelsey, big day today, didn't get in the end zone, but I've been kind of poking the bear a little bit about Kelsey. And, and the Houston Texans were trying to poke the bear early in that game to Travis Kelsey, and that, that they might have rude themselves there because Kelsey went off in the second half of this game, uh, really body, body positioning, shielding off defenders and really making himself available. It wasn't the big plays. It wasn't killing the seam. It wasn't no post corners, stuff like that, that we're used to from Kelsey. It was the shorter variety plays, taking what the defense gives you, finding a spot in the zone and sitting down and just making himself available to Mahomes. And that was important today. So 10 targets, 10 targets, 10 catches. So look at this completion percentage. If you're looking at Patrick Mahomes, we talked about Tom Brady, 44 attempts. That's way too much for a man of his age. We have Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, 30. 
36 of 41, 41 attempts, but a QB rating of 117. And then if you want to, if you don't want to get caught up in analytics of what QB rating is, talk about the targets. Travis Kelsey, 10 targets, 10 receptions. Juju, 10 targets, 10 receptions. <laughs> McKinnon, eight targets, eight receptions. Bruh. Even Noah Gray, three targets, three receptions. Accuracy. My guys are open. Or if they're not open, I'm putting it in a place where only they can get the ball. He's him. If you ever doubt, look, other guys come up and they flash. Jalen Hurts comes up, he flashes. Tua Tagovailoa comes up, he flashes. So a lot of guys, Justin Herbert comes up and he flashes. Josh Allen comes up, he flashes. Lamar comes up. No, Lamar's different. Let's slow down. Let's calm down. But Mahomes is him. Okay? Hard stop. That's it. And, and they got Tony back today. They got Kadarius Tony back. Let's see. Did he even get a one target, one reception? <laughs> so it was, it was, you know, everyone got, if he threw the ball to you, you caught it today. Mahomes was on that type of level. They almost tricked us off. That defense is a problem. That defense is going to be a problem. But again, as long as you got Mahomes, you got a chance. And that's kind of what their whole system is built around. Andy Reid's play calling with, with the enemy and that quarterback, that three-headed monster, you take your chances. Okay, what else we got here? Where, 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 where do we want to go? Do, do we want to go to MetLife? No. Let's go to Soldier Field. So Jalen Hurts versus, and I have some real thoughts here. I hope the Chicago Bears paid attention today at their opponent. And I'll explain what I mean. I hope they realized what the blueprint is. Because what the Philadelphia Eagles are is what the Chicago Bears should aspire to be. And I'll come off the screen here. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to this in the stats, but let me just get this off. So you had a team today that has a young, dynamic quarterback that has a good arm that can move, that can run. That team then went out and decided, we're going to give this quarterback, this young, athletic, enigmatic, energetic, dynamic quarterback, all the help we can. And they went out and they got Devonta Smith last year via the draft. They go make the big trade for A.J. Brown. They've got Mal Sanders and a bunch of other running backs that can get it done. Gainwell, Boston Scott. They have a physical, monstrative offensive line. Oh, yeah, and we also got Dallas Goddard whenever he's healthy. If the Chicago Bears can learn from losing if there's ever any moral victories, it's the fact that you got to see what you should aspire to be. The Chicago Bears' number one priority with this draft pick that's looking to be no worse than top three should be surround Justin Fields with weapons by any means. Chase Claypool is not enough. Even if he comes back healthy, Darnell Mooney is not enough. Cole Komet is not enough. Montgomery, you know, uh, is Tariq Cohen ever coming back? Uh, Herbert, uh, none of them are enough. Gut this roster 
fill it with top-notch elite playmakers. Once you do that, you can then worry about other things like the defense. But the number one priority should be we have a guy who is good enough. I'm not here to say Justin Fields can be top five. I'm not here to say Justin Fields could even be top 10. What I'm here to say is that if he has the pieces around him, Justin Fields can do what Jalen Hurts is doing right now. But if you're just going to give him Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and think that's enough, then you're the mid-franchise that you've come to be known to be. Now we can get into the stats and the box score. So, <sighs> Justin Fields. I'll say this about Justin Fields, locking in on him today. We know how dynamic he is. Um, almost 100 yards rushing, a buck 50 through the air. Got hurt, came back. He needs to work on his footwork. Um, and he mentioned it during the broadcast, but it really showed itself today where he's so dynamic when he's on the run. He can make so many, like that, that TD run that was called back when he said he stepped out of bounds. Like that was some Steve Young shit. That wasn't even Mike Vick. Like Vick was just burning dudes, spitting off cats. The physicality with the speed reminded me a lot of Steve Young back in the day. And that, that was an incredible run. And it was going to be one of those top tier, like he's already putting together quite the real of ridiculous runs where he has just amazing escapability. But what Justin Fields needs to work on is the fundamentals of his footwork. They talked about it a little bit during the broadcast of how they, the Bears love how he makes the you know freestyle throws. He can make the impossible throw, but he's still learning how to get the fundamental throws. Like he has troubles, he has trouble on checkdowns. Imagine that. A guy that big, that strong, that fast goes to the Ohio State University, all of that, and his footwork is bad on checkdowns. You tell me. You tell me. That's that's a troubling sign for a franchise that, you know, I'm I'm saying if you want to be relevant, you need to gut everything and just go out and um, trick off everything to surround this man with nothing but the elite, the most elite players you can find. But if he can't hit a damn check down, then I don't know if it's even worth that. So Jalen Hurts, three more touchdowns, three of the rushing variety. Didn't throw for one. We had two picks. He was, he didn't look like an MVP today. He did not look like an MVP today. But what he did do was, again, as you see here, 16 targets for A.J. Brown. 16. And a lot of those came in the second half because Devonta Smith was carving up the Bears early in the first half. And the second half is when A.J. Brown decided, hey, hey, dog, I'm him. Remember, on this team, I'm him. 16 targets. Nine receptions, a buck 81. Monster. This team can go obviously really far. The defense, I've talked about it here. I don't know what their identity is. It's a lot of teams. They're just like the Cowboys where I don't know what, what the identity of their defense is. They've got a lot of names. You know, they, they stopped. 
They slowed down Justin Fields running in the second half to a certain degree. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 I think that can cause them problems in the playoffs. I think, thankfully for them, with the way that the uh, playoff picture is shaping up, they won't have to worry about those types of quarterbacks that much. So let's see. Let's go to the uh, playoff picture here. Standings, playoffs, NFC. Yeah, who's who's the dynamic quarterback they got to worry about? Let's see. Okay, so as it stands right now, Giants are in the playoffs as it stands right now. Not a dynamic quarterback. Washington, not a dynamic quarterback. Dallas, Dak doesn't run anymore. Tampa, please. 49ers, Purdy. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins. So, again, they don't have to worry about that type of quarterback. But if they get to the Super Bowl and they got Josh Allen or Mahomes or Burrow or, as it stands right now, Lamar or even Justin Herbert, Jay Herbo, that's where it could be problematic. So, the Eagles defense, to me, is still a thing. They need to cause turnovers. And they at least I'll say this, the D-line stepped up today. But again, Justin Fields, because of the way that he just runs around and he's kind of topsy-turvy, he kind of runs himself into a lot of sacks. He's got a lot of Russell Wilson in, in him when it comes to that. He runs himself into a lot of sacks. But yeah, the, the Eagles defense is still, uh, to me, they're still searching for their identity. Uh, let's go to MetLife. And I talked about that uh, that play calling down the stretch there with Zach Wilson, who came off, who was starting in place of Mike White, whose ribs are dislocated. And he went to 10 different doctors, they said, during the, during the broadcast, went to 10 different doctors to try to get, he tried to find a doctor to let him play. Despite his ribs medically being jacked up, he still wanted to play. And he went to 10 different doctors, according to the broadcast, to try to find a way to be able to play today. Uh, could not find one. And therefore... He had to sit down and Zach, Zach Wilson, and I don't blame Mike White because like, yo, if this dude, Zach Wilson, comes back and tricks his way into a W, they might think, all right, I'm not him no more. Mike White trying to hang on to this job because he knows the talent that they have. I would want to keep, I would want to play to make sure I keep throwing to Garrett Wilson too. Uh, but Zach Wilson comes in. I'm not going to say he was bad. Like he certainly wasn't as bad as he's been in prior weeks when he's had the opportunity to start or even come off the bench. But I didn't see nothing today that makes me think Zach Wilson's got it, that he's understood, that he's, you know, he's bided his time. I didn't see anything of the sort, anything of the like. Um, I think this game was more about the fact that this Jets defense, which has been lauded about their secondary, Sauce, Reed, all those guys. Hey, you guys know about Amon Ross St. Brown? Ten targets, number one receiver. Seven catches, 76 yards. I mean, that that to me was the difference there. They did not run the ball that well. Um, Jared Goff was Jared Goff. The conditions weren't that great. I was surprised that the uh, the Jets did not run the ball a lot. 35 attempts is a lot, especially when you're trying to give, especially when you're giving it to Zach Wilson. Phil's Mike White with the momentum he's had off the last couple of weeks. Okay, you want to oh, air it out a little bit? Okay. But Zach Wilson, 
35 attempts when you've had Bam Knight, Zonovan Knight going crazy in the running game and Michael Carter coming back? You still give 35 passing attempts to Zach Wilson? A little shaky. A little shaky. But I understand you got Garrett Wilson, you got Elijah Moore, and, you know, Uzoma showed up today. You know, Barrios gets a lot of targets for some reason in this offense, so I, I understand. But today, that to me was about the, uh, the Jets defense. The Jets defense has carried this team, and they needed to be bailed out today, and they couldn't. They couldn't bail them out. And again, that piss poor, let me see if I can find that. I won't waste too much time on this, but just that, that piss poor clock management at the end, they already had three timeouts. And they didn't use any of them until, let's see. Yeah, they get the rock. Okay. 148 on the clock at their own 25. They had all three timeouts. He gets sacked on the first play. Doesn't take the timeout. Incomplete pass. Clock stops. Pass the ball. Inbounds. 22-yard game. Doesn't take a timeout. Incomplete pass. Clock stops. Another completion. Not out of bounds. Doesn't take a timeout. Incompletion. Clock stops. It took until 25 seconds left in the game. So again, the drive started at 149 on the clock with three timeouts. They didn't take a timeout until it was 25 seconds left in the game. What type of Salah can't call the timeouts? He's going to let Zach Wilson milk all that clock? Was that about Zach Wilson or did he not have confidence in the defense? I don't understand it. But to have the Rock with 150 left with three timeouts and to come down and get down to 25 seconds and you haven't even crossed midfield? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Piss poor clock management by your New York Jets. And I guess we can get into Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and let's get off the screen share here. <sighs> Last game, we'll get it. Well, I guess there's two more games. The Saints and the Falcons. Look, the Falcons trotted out there. Your man's uh, Ritter. I wasn't that impressed. But again, tough spot for him to be in. I'm not going to go crazy on that. Uh, the Saints, I feel sorry for Alvin Kamara. Um, I've also feel sorry for Jameis that he can't even sniff an opportunity there. You know, they're still doing the Andy Dalton, Tyson Hill thing. I don't, you know, whatever. But Desmond Ritter, I didn't see anything that impressive. He doesn't have his full complement of weapons. You know, they, they got Drake London. Drake London, 11 targets, number one receiver. That appears to be a thing. So, and if, if you're the Saints, I mean, you have Alvin Kamara. Uh, Shahid has been a revelation of late. Juwan Johnson's been really good, really sneaky uh, fantasy pickup if you were able to get him. Uh, but yeah, the, the the Falcons are a running team. And Desmond Ritter came in there and looked like he didn't look that much of a different, he didn't look that different from Mariota, to be quite honest. Again, tough spot, uh, on the road, rival, all that stuff. Cool. And he ran the pill. He ran the pill, Cordero Patterson and Algier. That's going to be a good dynamic going forward. I don't know if Algier is going to be the lead back there. I know Cadero Patterson's got the pedigree. Uh, but, yeah, that, that should be a thing. Drake London, once once they get pits with London, and if Algier could be the lead back, then you have Desmond Ritter, then we could talk about it. Then, then we could talk about the Falcons in a real way. 
But the last one o'clock game, as we wrap it up here, we have to go down to Carolina. And Carolina, to me, was the biggest loser today. They had a chance to, uh, as they said, they, they controlled their own destiny, even though they came into this game at five and eight. Yeah, that's a real thing. They were able, they controlled their destiny, even though they were five win team against eight losses. And they started Sam Darnold. And that's the that's the spot you don't want to be in when you're a team that's vying for a playoff spot and you control your own destiny. You do not want to have to start Sam Darnold, but there they are. Uh, DJ Moore, six targets. Not a number one receiver? I mean, he is, but Sam Darnold. So <sighs> I feel sorry for DJ Moore. They probably should have traded him when he was getting rid of everybody else. Uh, Deontay Johnson, 10 targets. Number one receiver? Your man, Mitchell Trubisky, gets a dub. Y'all know how I feel about him if you're a fan of my podcast. Uh, if you're not and you're new here, um, Mitchell Trubisky is a mid-quarterback, and that's me putting it uh, politely, uh, as PC as I can. He is not a good quarterback. He should not be a starting NFL quarterback in this league. But he has now turned himself into a professional game manager. And he was able to get the job done today, but... I'm not going to, I don't want to say that. It goes on his record as a win for him, but to me, it was about Najee Harris. The Steelers went old school. They ran the pill, ball control. TJ Watt was him on defense. Um, they were able to be active. Uh, they got a lot of pressure. Uh, Cameron Hayward was a beast in the middle. So this was old school Pittsburgh Steelers football today. I'm not going to give that to Mitch Trubisky. He'll get the headlines because he's the quarterback, and that's just what that position warrants and covets. Uh, but to me, it was about the running game and the defense. And Mike Tomlin, low-key, is he trying to make sure he he keeps that record? Is he trying to make sure he keeps that record? Let's see. Let's pull up the screen share. Wait, where? How far can he still pull this off? Six and eight. Can he pull this off? What's their schedule coming down the stretch here? Six and eight. Can he run the table? Home for the Raiders. Christmas Eve. And I will be doing another live stream. So next Sunday is Kwanzaa Eve. So they, there's, only, there's, there's limited games. The bulk of the games will be on uh, Kwanzaa Eve Eve. So the 24th will be the, the next live stream. because That's when the bulk of the games will be next Saturday. So let's see. Vegas at home at Baltimore, in Cleveland. Tomlin might be able to find a way to keep his, uh, his above 500 record intact. It's not out of, the realm, out of the realm of possibility. You would assume that Lamar is back for that January 1st game. You would assume that, so that could be a tough spot. But Cleveland and Raiders, he gets two of those. He needs all three because the thing is, he's trying to keep that. He's never had a losing season, right? So to keep that intact, he needs to win the rest of, rest of the games. Pittsburgh is not out, out of the realm of possibility, out of the realm of possibility that, that they could do that. So we'll see how that goes. But as we wrap it up here, uh, thank you all for pulling up. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. If you're catching this on a replay, drop the comments. You know, I do this thing. Who was your dynamic playmaker today? I tried to dust this off last week. Um, who was the one player that made a difference that could mean something long term? Not just, oh, we won this week. Who was a difference maker that was the catalyst for something bigger for a team? And, you know, I'm, I'm, let me see. Let me, let me think of this on the fly here. 
who was it for me today? Who came up big today that if we take a look at this, it could be something once we get to January, deeper into January and eventually into February. Hmm. I'm going to say Mike Williams. Mike Williams today was a difference maker. He was in, and the fact of the matter is that one, he was healthy enough to play. And when he's able to do that, when you put him with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, that that Chargers team is dangerous. Now we know what they did last year in tricking it off, but I think a lot of teams don't want to see that team come into their building with a big playoff game on the line. You don't want to see that team in the playoffs. You don't want to see that team in the big spot because when that offense is right and they're healthy, how are you stopping them? So for me, the difference, the biggest playmaker, the biggest difference maker today was Mike Williams. So let me know in the comments, whether you're live on a replay, who was the biggest difference maker for you today? Who did you see that stood out that could be a thing going forward? Not just, oh, he helped us win today. No, this person played big and this person is going to help this team do big things, whether in the playoffs or even further. So that'll wrap, wrap it up here for me. I am the Sam D. Appreciate y'all pulling up. I will be here again for week 16, but again, that's Saturday. So Saturday after the four o'clock games, like around this time, Saturday, Kwanzaa Eve Eve, then we will be here. Okay. One last check. Yeah, we're good here. As regards to the Sunday night game, it is the Commanders and the Giants. Let's see if there's anything of note there so far. Nope, no score. First quarter. All right. I will check you out next week. I am the Sam D, Sam Duesmary Jr. This is Football Kickback. I'll see you.